Hello, this is Reverend Abigail, and this podcast is created from an eight-week series that we did on This Thing Called You, which is a book written by Ernest Holmes, who is the founder of Centers for Spiritual Living. If you want to find out more about our center, you can reach us at spiritualliving.org. Enjoy the class. I am talking a little bit about good and evil today. One thing I know, when I was growing up, I grew up Methodist, and I will I will claim that I am a Christian because I believe in the teachings of uh, Jesus, and I believe that the teachings were about love and connection and being better people in this world. One thing, however, when I was growing up that I did not believe in was the teachings that I received about the theory of health. And I just couldn't understand if God was all loving, that God would create a hell and have people go into eternal damnation. So what happened to me personally is I left the Methodist church and I understand every sect of Christianity teaches things differently, but that's what happened to me. I was uh, uh, highly disagreed with by an adult who really wanted to imbue in me the fear of uh, the teaching so that way that I could I could believe in hell and be fearful and I just didn't believe that I that God would be creating a fearful dichotomy so what I love is whenever I found Centers for Spiritual Living it freed me from this idea that I had to believe in evil it really implanted the idea that God is a principle or an idea or a way of being. And so what I love is Ernest Holmes in chapter 11, he talked about this principle. He called it the life principle. And what he said was, you use the same power to drive your automobile forward or in reverse to move it backward. The energy is not good when it moves you forward or evil when it moves you backward. You must eliminate the idea of good and evil as entities opposing each other and realize there's but one life principle. And that's what I really love and appreciate. It's like there is this one principle and we choose to utilize it for things that we would designate as we think as good or evil, but it's really, it really isn't that. It's really this energy that we can utilize. So one thing about this energy is it's infinite and it's unlimited. And so you can call the energy God, you can call the energy universal spirit or or the universe or life itself. You can call it whatever you want, but it's the same thing. It's the same principle. And it really allows us to, to settle into the idea of being a co-creator with the divine. Like the the principle is there for us to co-create with it. And what I love is this point, the first point that Ernest Holmes talks about is that you're never limited by the principle of your being. Limitation is a result of a limited use of the principle. This principle must be without limit. Your thought and acceptance can put the brakes on it. In this way, paradoxical as it sounds, you limit 
the limitless. Of course, you really do not limit it, but you do limit its flow in your own experience. So as I learned about this idea of me being the person who limited it, I I started awakening to the fact that I was taught I was taught ways of being. My, the, my limitations in life were pretty much either taught to me or belief systems that I created. So one thing that I started doing is noticing in my life where I had limitations of what I thought was possible. And I started accepting that those were self-made or, or family inherited, right? And I started removing them. So for instance, I used to work at Stanford University, but before I worked at Stanford, I, yeah, it was a great, great job. I loved working there. <laughs> before I worked at Stanford, uh, I really wanted to apply there. I was working at a staffing agency and the, our client was Stanford. And so I knew the more, the more I staffed people at, at the university, the more I was like, oh my God, this is such an amazing place to work. So I ended up quitting my job because I didn't want to have like a client uh, integrity, you know, not be in integrity with that, like get a job at a place that is my client, right? So I quit my job and then I wanted to get a job at Stanford. But as I noticed the jobs, as they came in, every single one of them, you needed a degree, right? I didn't have a degree at that time. And I was also taking these teachings and integrating them in my life. So what I decided to do was declare and choose that I was gonna get a job at Stanford and I wasn't gonna let the fact that I didn't have a degree limit me just because they said they needed a degree doesn't mean that they actually needed a degree. A degree. And so I ended up applying for jobs that you were required to have a degree in. And I got hired for one of those jobs. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like, we think that that this is impossible, but it is possible. Also, when I had first moved to California, I was 21. I was um, I got my job later. A couple of years later, I got my job at Stanford. I wanted to be at the Stanford Federal Credit Union, and I wanted my first credit card so I could start building up a life of credit. And they denied me a credit card, which was really frustrating because I was like, I had. Um, I was dating somebody at the at the time and her like 15 year old sister had gotten a credit card. I'm like, why? You know, I'm a responsible person. Why are you denying me a credit card? So I went into the bank and I was like, look, I'm a responsible person. I pay my bills on time. Like I'm, I'm young. I don't have any credit because I haven't had any opportunity to have credit. So you, I need you to give me the opportunity. So they ended up giving me uh, a credit card so I could start building up a credit. And so again, it was like, they said no, but I was like, I'm not taking your limitation as my limitation. It's, it's in, in God and in spirit, all things are possible. And so I've used that in my life to, to, you know, oh, people say, oh, I can't apply to that job because I'm not qualified or I can't do this because I don't have the skills. I'm like, well, why not? Why don't you just try? Like, if you don't try, you'll never know. It's like people limit themselves before they even do it. So that's the, the first thing is that we're the one who limits ourselves. Well, our ideas of what's possible is what limits us. Not, not God, not spirit, not the universe. It, it 
has created everything. It knows how to do everything. We're the only ones who think things are not possible. So the second thing that I love is point number two that he, he speaks about is that there's no problems in God. Basically, God is omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, which means that the infinite great creator is everywhere. And, and this is what he talks about when he, when he says that there are no problems with God. He says, if you're living in an intelligence which instantly knows the answer to any problem, then you're living in an intelligence which has no problem. You are, therefore, bringing your problem to a principle which has no problem. So just like electricity or our mathematics or the law of gravity doesn't have any problems, the universe, God's source, does not have any problems. So like if I, if I were to hold up an object that's heavier than, than the air and let go, let go of it and let the law of gravity work, it will bring it to the earth. It works on everybody, right? It would be a problem if I had to force it to the earth. But there's no problem in the universal spirit, which works automatically. So it's the use of the principles where we're, we're again, we're stopping the flow, or we think that there's a problem. We think that there's some issue that's going on. And I love that he talks about how every problem contains its own answer. And instead of, instead of thinking things as a problem, think of them as a question or an inquiry, you know, like not as something that, that's in obstructing you, it's just a curiosity. And Ernest Holmes talks about keeping your mind not on the thoughts about the problem, but focused on receiving an answer. So any problem that you have in your life, really shifting it into going, well, there's no problem in God, so there's no problem that I'm having. However, I don't necessarily know how, but that's okay. But I can be open to receiving an answer, a solution, because there's infinite number of solutions, and the infinite great creator knows how to solve this, so I don't have to worry about it. I can just be open to the answer instead of having to try and force myself to figure it out. It's like I can be instead just opening myself to receiving the answer. And I really love that, that shift. He encourages us to bring our hopes and aspirations to the divine center within ourselves. Then lay them down on the altar of our faith with confidence. And, and so just to think of what we would love instead of what the problem is. So one of my personal tools and techniques that I've worked with, um, one of my friends, she asked me these, these questions that I love. And it, you don't have to have the answer. This is the deal. You have a problem, you don't need the answer. You just need the question. So my questions are, how can it get any better than this? And what else is possible? How can it get any better than this? And what else is possible? And then I wait, right? I ask the questions and then I wait and receive the answers. And another thing that I love to do is when I do a prayer, 
and I'm really focused on what I want, I'm like, I really want this, then I always add the, or something better. So that way, whenever that thing doesn't come into my reality, I'm like, oh, then there's something better. <laughs> and I've totally had that happen. I've been in, in re my, my former relationship, I had a long-term relationship with an ex and, and I was having difficulties with her. And, you know, I did that prayer. I said, I, I would love peace and harmony in this relationship, this or something better. And I couldn't even fathom like what would be better than peace and harmony in this relationship. Well, it was a new relationship that was way better. <laughs> <laughs> where I had peace and harmony in our relationship. So that worked really well. It was a little uncomfortable, but the end, the end goal was worth it for me, I'll have to say. So the next point that Ernest Holmes talks about is expect good and good will come to you. He says, you have a silent partner within you whose energy is inexhaustible and whose intelligence is without limit. Your silent partner is more than a subjective or unconscious reaction to life. It is life itself. Know that God is always acting in you in a new, unique way, in an original manner. Try to feel that every day something new and wonderful is going to happen to you. Do not prepare to die. I love that he says this. Do not prepare to die. Prepare to live. Or live whether you are 10 years old or 100 years old. Stop trying to die. Learn to live. So one of my favorite stories is about Min. You might know her. She's a practitioner at our center. And She's does this amazing work and she really impacted me because uh, she is a part of a group of people who take care of babies who are hospice babies. So they're supposed to go to her. Um, they, she's got kind of like a group home to die. So they, they take these babies in to die. They're like hospice babies, right? So her intention is um, and what she does is she teaches all her nurses and everybody who's there, they, they collaboratively focus on the babies living their best life, living the most extraordinary life that they can live. And because their focus is on them living, she has never had a baby die under her care. And so, and they actually get out of hospice care because they keep living. They take care of them for a couple of years. They're like, they're doing great. <laughs> but it's like, what a shift whenever they're focusing on the the babies living. She said, so many people are like, oh, don't do that because they're going to die. Or they, well, she's like, they're going to die anyway. Why don't we just do things that they would love to do as living? And And it's just a complete paradigm. So that's, it's really important for us to focus on the good, focus on living, focus on the, the, the best that can be, because just that shift can create so much in our lives. So whenever I expect good, the good happens to me. And I love, I love his idea of waking up every morning and going, oh my God, what, what, what good is going to happen to me today? <laughs> it's such a great thing to do. I mean, I would recommend that. I did it this morning. I was like, what good is going to happen to me today? And I had a great day. I, I just, 
woke up, I went on an early walk with my wife, which I have never done on a Sunday morning. And I was like, this is great. Can we keep doing this? You know, like, this is wonderful. What other good is coming to me today? So those are my three points for you. And then we're going to open this up to a Q&A, but I want to do a quick little refresh of the three points. The first one is that you are never limited by the principle of your being. The second point is that there are no problems in God. So instead of having a problem, ask a question, how can I get any better than this? And what else is possible? This or something better. And the third thing is to expect good and good will come to you. So that's all I have for you today. 